Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. And after a ball game like we had on Saturday, we need our friends, don't we? <laughs> we need our good friends. It was ugly. You don't need me to tell you that. I was there on the sidelines. There's some things that I want to share with you, some things some some things learned from the sidelines. I've got some other things to say. Did this... This will not be for the faint of heart. And I don't mean that, you know, in an overly negative way. I don't mean that in a uh, sunshine-pumping way. I don't really care for that label in the first place. But but all that being said, I'm going to call it how I see it. There are going to be some things I say that might make you mad. There are going to be some things I say you might shake your head and agree with. There are some things you might want to tweet me about. But I'll tell you this. I believe in every word I'm about to say about Mississippi State about this season, about the future, about some things need to be changed for the good and for the better of this program. There are some things that are consistently issues that pop up with us that need to be addressed. Special teams is one of them, which is one of the reasons you hear me ask that question in pretty much every post game. We have had special teams miscues in every game this year. Every game. So I'm going to gripe a little bit. I'm going to cheer a little bit. I'm going to talk to some of you. There's, some, there's a segment of our fan base that I, I really I, I really want you guys to pay attention because I'm going to get to this a little bit later in the show. There are some of you that have a very skewed and incorrect belief about what Dan Mullen would be doing with this team right now. So I'm going to offer you my thoughts on that. I'm going to offer you my thoughts on this bye week and what we need to do. I'm going to offer you my thoughts on Garrett Schrader and the quarterback situation. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about 
what happened on Saturday because we're all, to be frank with you, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to relive all that again because it was an absolutely terrible evening. We were not ready to play. And yes, I will go ahead and say that. That is an indictment on our coaching staff that we were not ready to play. Now, all that said, as a guy that coached high school baseball, got his coach his whole life, sometimes a coach's best efforts simply aren't going to be enough to get a team to go up to play when they expect to lose. You know, when I when I coached high school baseball, we had to play against Jared Pochet uh, at Lutcher High School, Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year. And you know what? I could say all I wanted to. I could talk as much as I wanted to. I could pump our kids up. I could tell them you could do it. We could practice all week. We could change stances. We could do nothing but advanced scouting. And then when we show up out there, our kids knew they were better than us. And we played just like that. We played the game like we felt they were better than us. And you know what? Every time we played them, the result was pretty much the same. It was an embarrassing undertaking. Now, I used to always say, you know what? Coach, we've got to do a better job of getting them ready to play. But if the guys that you have on the team, if they don't believe they can go out there and compete, there's not much you can do to convince them otherwise. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. That is the place in Starkville to go and break bread and take your family. There's so many great people involved with Bulldog Burger Company. You will enjoy it when you go. You need to go find your own favorites. That's the, the best thing about Bulldog Burger Company is there is a wide variety of selections on the menu. Maybe you're not feeling like a great restaurant quality hamburger today, even though that's their specialty. You can have that sweet heat chicken sandwich. You can have the BLT salad. You can have the Kell State salad. You can have you can have chicken wings. There's a, there's a lot of items there for you to pick. And so uh, if you are somewhat health conscious, you can get your burger on a gluten-free bun. You can get your burger on a bed of lettuce. I, I have seen people basically eating the Mission burger as a salad. So, hey, bring me the Mission with no, no bun. You can do that. Love it there. You will, too. Now open in Tupelo. Two locations to serve you here in the Golden Triangle. Boulevard Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So the first thing that I want to get into, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about you know a lack of discipline, and I want to talk about you know a failure to execute, because those those are fair. You don't have to be an X's and O's guy or a gal to understand a lot of that stuff. You know, when we get off the bus, we have to have a belief among ourselves. You know what? We're going to be able to go out there and execute our game plan. And you know what? We're going to give our best effort, and they beat us, they beat us. But when we go out there and get a delay of the game penalty, the first play of the game, I I don't even know that that's possible. I don't don't know how that's possible. Because I would think you pretty much have that scripted out. And you go out there and you, you have some check with me at the line. And one of the things that I noticed early in the ball game that there were sometimes that uh, Tommy wasn't really checking with the sideline. He was making his own, you know, read. You know, you go up there and you you call that and you adjust and you kind of give. Uh, you don't really give the defense a chance to adjust. And so I thought that was an interesting little wrinkle. But we go out there and we get a delay of the game penalty. So, so right out of the gate, we put ourselves on a first and fifteen. Nothing that Auburn did. Nothing that Gus Malzahn cooked up in the lab over the course of the last week. Nothing that Derek Brown did. Former Mississippi State fan Derek Brown, who plays for Auburn. Uh, nothing he did. That that was all on us. We did that. In the postgame, Darrell Williams said, yeah, you know, well, we, we didn't always get to play in on time. And uh, and that, that in and of itself, that that's coaching. I don't know if that's the head coach. I don't know if that's the the play caller. I don't know if it's the guys still going to play in, but the bottom line is, if that's the issue, that's an easy fix. Should be, anyway. One of the things that I'd point out to people, too, is um, you know, we had the punt situation there. And, uh, you know, we're not going to run a fake. You know, we're not we're not running a play. We're, we're, we're just punting out of the end zone. We weren't ready to go. And that, that's the thing, too, is at the end of the day, we, we can talk about, you know, coaching preparation and all that. But every guy that ever handles a snap, whether it be a holder, a punter, or quarterback, everybody goes out there and, and they, they, they get a good idea of where the play clock is. And so if the play clock is visible, 
and we elect not to snap the football, there's only so much of that blame the coach can take. Now, we can go, we only get three timeouts. So there's enough blame to go around with all that. But I just really felt like that opening sequence was kind of a microcosm of our evening and of, and of our struggles. I don't, I don't think any of you would disagree. It is frustrating. And, and we all share that some frustration. And uh, as, as I've said before, we, we express it in different ways. There are a lot of people that are invested in Mississippi State emotionally. Not everybody's invested financially. That doesn't mean that we feel it any less. You know, that's one of the things I think that with Mississippi State we do a pretty good job of doing is that we, uh, we all feel the loss together. Everybody. We, we all make some type of investment. There are some people that can't afford to go to ball games and, you know, it's an, it's an expense at times, and there are other people that are not physically capable of coming. That doesn't mean they love Mississippi State any less. There are some people that are incredible donors, and we thank you, and uh, their loyalty to Mississippi State is unquestioned. But the bottom line is we have uh, a lot of people that are invested emotionally, financially, spiritually, you know, in Mississippi State. And so when bad things happen, we, uh, we all want to vent. And, uh, and, and I got some of that Saturday, not, not just with social media, but with, uh, even with Joe Moorhead and postgame. To be honest with you, I think it is a little bit narcissistic for some of our fans to suggest that somehow that, uh, that the loss is more painful for them than perhaps the players, the coaches, their families. You know, we're all in this thing together. Some of us may have been here a little bit longer, but, you know, we, we are in this deal together. And so, uh, you know, in postgame, I asked Joe about special teams. And, you know, and, and you know, again, he's just walking off the field, and we're talking about some of the failures there uh, with special teams. And that has consistently been an issue. And that, that's something that needs to be corrected. But here's the thing. It's, it's not the same issue week after week. You know what I'm saying? It's like we can say, well, man, Steve, the special teams have, have, have had their moments where they've done things really well, but they've had some – They've had a, at least one failure every game. And this past weekend, you have the delay of the game. You had a couple of bad punts. You had some coverage issues. And then you had uh, you know, Javante Payton fumbling the football and giving them the ball 30-yard line. You know, our backs are already against the wall. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we gift them great field position. It seemed like that entire first quarter was played on our end of the field, didn't it? That's just how it felt. But, you know, it's one of those things you look at. Okay, well, well the first ball game, we, you know, Jordan Lawless – comes out, misses a field goal. Uh, you know, we have some coverage issues there, and then we, you know, we give up the, t- the kickoff return. And so it is, to, to me, if it would be a lot easier to fix if it was one guy. You know, if it's one guy or one coverage unit, you could kind of hammer that down. But that's not the reality of it. It's just it's across the board in special teams, we have had something go wrong every single week. And it's generally multiple things. That's just my two cents. That's how I feel about it. And, I, and that's something that I think continues to plague Mississippi State. But the, the fact of the matter is this past weekend it wasn't about special teams. It was about a collective failure because there were there were there was a small section of positives later in the ball game. And I'm gonna, I'm about to get to some of that. But we didn't tackle well and Auburn's a very physical running team. We, we listen if people thought Kansas State was physical, and they were to to their credit, they they're a physical football team. They're not Auburn. As I said all last week, Auburn's the kind of team that wants to spread you out and run smash mouth football at you, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, we did not match their physicality or their effort or their edge. That's one of the things where I think we miss a guy like Jeffrey Simmons. Jeff, because number one, Jeff was exceptionally talented, but Jeff was also a guy too that. He exuded confidence and made the guys around him better. I don't know at this point on defense if we have that guy. I just don't. I think Cam Dantzler is an absolute star. Did not have a great game Saturday. I think Errol Thompson is an absolute star. Did not have a great game on Saturday. And when you have these big road games and you have these big SEC night games, that's when your stars have to show up. And I didn't think our stars showed up, especially on defense. Saturday. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I don't think so. But I think, uh, you know, the guys that have NFL aspirations, those these are the games you make your money. These are the games you, you, you play your way into the earlier rounds. 
you can't disappear in big ball games. When especially when you get on twenty-one nothing, you can't just mail it in the rest of the game because every NFL scout is going to watch that tape and they're going to see if you dogged it or not. I tell you, I didn't think Kylan Hill quit. He didn't have a great night either. Didn't always have a lot of room to run. But even late in the ball game, before Joe pulled him, and I'm glad he pulled him when he did, because the last thing we need is to get a guy like Kylan Hurt. That guy was out there playing hard. And Kylan's not the most vocal leader. Kind of leads by example. But that's a kid you win with. You know, I I, I thought it was kind of reminiscent of me of that Nick Fitzgerald game in 16 down at Alabama when he kept getting up, kept getting up, and our offensive line couldn't protect him. And the kid just kept getting up. That's what, you know, Colin Hill, you know, as I said in the postgame video, Colin Hill would have taken the snaps or run a wildcat all night if that's what he thought he needed to do to win a ball game. Colin Hill's a special player. Not a vocal leader, but he's a leader on this team. And I think there are some leaders on offense. I think Farad Green is a leader on offense, even though he is not a real outspoken guy either. He is still a very positive voice in that locker room. To uh, another thing that I wanted to discuss too about the uh, defensive side of the football, we talk about being undisciplined. And, you know, late in the ball game, we're, you know, we're getting absolutely destroyed. And there's some of those young kids out there, and they're jumping out there, and they're setting an edge, and and they're doing the basic fundamental things of football. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is these are guys that are second and third teamers, and they're out there putting some things on tape to show they're ready for more playing time. One of the, uh, the things that I want to address, too, is about the uh, the personal file on C.J. Morgan on the sideline happened right in front of me. Booby Whitlow is probably three yards out of bounds. I mean, it, it was – I don't know if it was just an emotional reaction or frustration or whatever, but there, there was no debate about the penalty. And then for the next minute or so, I heard Joe Moorhead – blasting C.J. Morgan, you know, making a bad penalty, and then C.J. gets up and has something to say about it. You know, and that's that's the thing. That's the thing that I think is, you know, we can call it unattractive. We can call it unbecoming, whatever. But you know what? When you make a bad penalty, you just go back to the huddle. You don't get up talking trash. You don't get up running your mouth. And so Joe was all over me about it. And so here, in that situation, you know what I'd like to see Joe do? Is pull him from the ball game. I'm not saying you bench him. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you drop him down the depth chart. But when a guy makes a, a play like that, when the guy lets his emotions get the better of him and he plays such an undisciplined down, I think it sends a bad message to the rest of the team. And I know Joe is a player's coach, but in that situation, you know what, I'd almost be willing to give up the touchdown to teach the lesson because I think it's bigger than just the one possession there. He should have pulled him from the ball game. They should have made him stand right next to him. That's what we talked about last year after the Kentucky game. Is you know what, we're going to pull these guys from the ballgame. I remember when Joe said that in a press conference, I kind of thought to myself, well, this is not necessarily a novel concept, Joe. You know, if a guy hurts a team like that, he needs to come out of the game. And again, maybe he gets a little uh, FaceTime with the coach and spends a little time over there watching for a while. But, uh, you know, when there when there's a guy that exhibits negative behavior that hurts the team, there needs to be consequences. A little bit later in the ball game, there was a play that some of us disagreed with on, on social media. And having seen the replay a little closer, I think the right call probably was made, as much as I didn't like it. And that was the um, targeting call on Errol Thompson. You know, Errol hits him in the chest, but he hits him, he lowered the crown of his helmet. And so any time that you do that, any time that you, that you lead with the crown of your helmet, you are putting your availability in jeopardy. Because no matter where you hit him, when you lower that crown of your helmet, that's because it's even a lazy official is going to err on the side of caution when it comes to player safety. That's just the reality of the situation. Now, he did hit him in the chest, which is a target area. Because, you know, if you, if you go read the targeting rules, it could have gone either way. It's supposed to be, you know, the head or neck area. The chest is supposed to be a target area. But there are other criteria that are involved in every bit of that. 
what I, what I was most upset about the call is number one, it was an unnecessary hit, okay? But number two is it appeared to me that the officials basically, you know, had the review to appease the fans. There were some unhappy fans there. Uh, they all saw it in real time, and then a little bit later they go and make the call. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I did not think that the officials had a great night, but it wasn't a bad enough night to affect the outcome. Auburn was just simply better than Mississippi State. It's as simple as that. But they were just better. They were. And we've taken some really good teams over to Auburn and come home with a loss. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about next. But I want to remind you, if you're one of those folks that likes to have a little skin in the game, maybe uh, maybe gambling on sports is, uh, is your cup of tea, visit our friends at mybookie.ag, longtime sponsors of the Boneyard. We always seem to partner back up with them during football season because, you know, football season is the best time of the year. Uh, for many folks. College football pageantry is unmatched. The NFL season is here. There's always something you can bet on. There's in-game live betting. There's a lot of things that go along. Great odds, better than most sports books. You can go see them yourself at mybookie.ag. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Boneyard. B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Use that promo code, and that will get you 100% matching contribution from my book for your very first deposit. You you deposit 100 they'll give you another 100 to go with it. So you're playing with 50% house money. How's that sound? Mybookie.ag, promo code Boneyard. It's not, it's not just about who you're betting on. It's who you're betting with. Mybookie.ag. You pay. You play. You win. You get paid. Simple as that. So one of the things that I will say, I will, I'll share about this. You know, I, I have said before that the better gut, the better Auburn teams have been the teams when, when Gus Malzahn has his back against the wall. It's kind of like the whole Houston nut complex on steroids, if you know what I'm saying, because uh, it always seemed that Houston was playing for the West or playing for his job every year. People remember Gus Malzahn took a, uh, a reduced buyout last year, renegotiated his contract and took a reduced buyout. For this year, and I think most of us, including myself, said, "Well, that's, that's you know, the writing's on the wall." And I think Gus and his staff have responded favorably. I don't think anybody could could disagree with that. He's got road win over A&M. He's got an impressive win over Mississippi State. Um, you know, they're a scary team right now because they're about the only ones in the league playing defense. And then you look at the fact what they can do offensively, and that even though they've kind of struggled you know, to, to to kind of get the prolific part of their offense going. You know, Bo Nix, I thought, took a bunch of reps, and some of our people were disappointed that he was still throwing late in the ballgame. You know, I got no problem with that. They're getting ready to go play Florida. You got a young quarterback out there just trying to find a rhythm. Yeah, listen, I, I, I didn't get the sense they were trying to run the score up on us. I did think they were coming out looking to make a statement early, and they did. They, they made that statement and put an exclamation point behind it. Uh, but the reality of the situation is Auburn's better than Mississippi State. Hadn't always been that way. Some years are ours. We have split four of the last eight. We've won four. They've won four. And that's one of the things I, I don't, you know, I have read with great interest, and it sometimes kind of shook my head about this, because I, I, let me go ahead and preface this by saying that I love each and every one of you, but some of you really make my head hurt. I mean, really. I, I want to remind you, so I have read some comments. People said, well, you know, if Dan Mullen was coaching that team, he wouldn't have gotten beaten like that. He, that wouldn't happen. Well, let me let me tell you something, okay? It might have been worse had Dan Mullen coached the, the team on Saturday. Because I don't think you'd get those 23 points if Dan Mullen's coaching the team on Saturday. Let, let's go back and look here. <laughs> yeah, real quick here. The 2009 year, you may remember that. We go down there and we start chasing the game. You know, they score and they go for two, and then we go for two and don't get it. And we, and then finally we block a punt. Robert Elliott recovers and ends on the snore back in the ball game. Guys, we got beat in that ball game 49 to 24. 49 to 24. And you know what? It was worse than the score indicated. Kind of like Saturday was, because I think Auburn could have got 100 if they wanted to, because I think our defense quit. 2010 at the Thursday night game, you remember Cam Newton came down here and we were outstanding. Should have won the ball game. 
We lose 17-14. It's a great ball game, but again, we didn't score much. 2011, I don't know if you remember that one, one of the more competitive Dan Mullen games over in uh, at Auburn. We lose that one, 41-34, a game we should have won. We were totally in control of that game, totally in control of that game, totally in control of that game. Remember, Chris Ruff gets stopped at the one-yard line. Should have won the ball game. We blew it. We absolutely blew it. People forget too. If memory serves me correct, and, and you know what, I'm I'm going to look this up because I want to make sure we're 100% correct on this. This is back in 2011. All right, you guys remember that, right? 2011 Auburn. Yeah, that was that's the year after the national championship year. That, that's the year after Fairley and Cam and all those guys go pro. They're kind of rebuilding, and uh, they struggled incredibly on defense that year. They nearly lost to Utah State in week one. Matter of fact, Utah State scored more points than Mississippi State did. Right? Then they lose to Clemson. They beat Florida Atlantic. They struggle, but hang on to beat South Carolina 16-13. They lose to Arkansas 38-14. They do beat a bad Florida team 17-6. An unranked Florida team. Uh, and then they get shelled by LSU, 45 to 10 in Baton Rouge. They uh, they get by Ole Miss, 41-23. They get shelled by Georgia, 45 to 7. Uh, they knock off Samford, and then they get destroyed by Alabama, 42-14. It was not a good Auburn team. They couldn't stop anybody, but they stopped Chris Ruff at the one. I think they went foot four and four in the league that year. Four and four in the league, and their their biggest win, I guess, was over Mississippi State. I guess you could make the argument over South Carolina, but you know that they they just they weren't a good team, and yet we, we were a pretty good team, and we felt like we were. We go over there and we lose the ball game. They come back to Starkville, we beat them the next year, twenty eight ten. Then we go back to Auburn in twenty thirteen, and and you and you may remember this, we should have won that ball game. That was Dak Prescott's first SEC start, a uh, road game at Auburn. We lose 24-20. You know, Dak runs for a first down late in the ball game. We win. Well, we didn't. We didn't win the ball game. Then 14, of course, that's the memorable one. That's the one we, we go to number one in a ball game that really wasn't close. Then we go to Auburn. And we win 17-9 in Dak's senior year. And for those of you that, 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 that are wondering, that was not a good Auburn team either. We had a pretty good team. We weren't a great. We weren't a great team. People forget. You know, that was the Belk Bowl year. We weren't a great team. Then the next year, they come back in 16. They beat us 38-14. And then we took Dan Mullen's last trip to Auburn as a Mississippi State coach. Now, this is the week after. And this is something I think people need to appreciate, okay? Because I don't, I don't know. that It's how quickly we forget because we do. We forget pretty quickly. That Mississippi State 2017 team was a good team. If you remember, after we absolutely shelled LSU 37-7, the biggest win for Mississippi State in the series, a lot of people were saying, you know what, Mississippi State is the second-best team in the SEC. For the first time in forever, it seemed like we were getting some respect. We had beaten Charleston Southern 49 nothing. We went up to Louisiana Tech and beat them 57-21, even though some people had them upsetting us. I still don't understand that. Then we destroyed number 12 LSU, 37-7. We get ready to go over to play Georgia. A lot of people were thinking, you know what? State's got a chance to go in there and beat Georgia. We got beat 31-3. And it was worse than that. You remember they hit the flea flicker on the first play of the game? You know, we're all selling out to stop the run. We're all fired up and trying to get the revenge for Ty Grantham. It's 31-3. Well, the next week, we had to go to Auburn. And again, it's one of those years where it seemed like Gus is coaching for his job. I don't know if you remember this. I remember because I was there on the sidelines. I was there. 
and they beat us 49 to 10 and had to, I think the backup quarterback rushed for almost 100 yards. I mean, they ran all over us. That was two years ago. It's our last trip to Auburn. 49 to 10. I don't know if you've if you've forgotten, but uh, we finished that year ranked. We finished the year ranked, and you know we we weren't a great team. We thought we were at times. It was kind of a down year for OSU, and they kind of got it going later. But after five games, we were three and two. Three and two, which is what we are right now. And then we go on, and we be BYU, Kentucky, A and M, and UMass. We go on a four-game winning streak, and we all knew that our season would be defined, you know, by that October stretch. And we struggled a couple of those ball games, if you, if you recall. You know, we, we battled, had to battle a little bit. Even after we went on the road to beat A&M pretty handily, we'd come home and had needed a punt return from Dedrick Thomas to put UMass away. And that's the year, too, we had Alabama on the ropes, and Dan, Dan got a little conservative and late in the ball game and lost the ball game. Then we limped up to Fayetteville and were not ready to play and escaped thanks to Nick Fitzgerald and Reggie Todd, 28-21, and Dedrick Thomas with a huge play late. That was a really bad Arkansas team. And we gave them 14 points to start the ball game. And then we get beat. We had the Nick Fitzgerald uh, cheap shot injury deal against Ole Miss. Dan Mullen leaves. And one of the things that I wanted to share with you about this season, I, I don't know if you, I don't know this information has been made public. So we'll, let's talk about it today. We had a bye week October 7th. The week after we got shelled by Auburn, 49 to 10. We'd lost back-to-back ball games. But we had scored a combined 13 points and given up 80. Our coaches were going out doing some recruiting. I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to make sure that you're aware of this. Because I, because I, this, this, listen. First, I'm going to make sure you understand. I appreciate everything Dan Mullen did for Mississippi State. He changed our expectations. He changed our fans' commitment level. We won a lot of ball games. We share share a lot of great memories with Dan Mullen. But after losing back-to-back ball games, after losing the limelight and the respect of the national media, rather than buckle down in the sealed football complex and figured this thing out, Dan Mullen took the week off and went to his lake house in Georgia. That's what he did. Felt like he'd just be in the way. Felt like he would just be in the way. Remember, we, we just got beat 49-10 by Auburn. Our season is on the brink, and your head football coach went on vacation. You know, two hours before Mississippi State took the field against Auburn this past Saturday, your head football coach, Joe Moorhead, was on the phone with recruits. We're getting ready to go play a ball game. He takes a few minutes and he reaches out to a couple recruits, saying, hey, big guy, thinking about you. We're getting ready to go play a ball game. Hope you're watching tonight. The guy's working at it. His predecessor that won a lot of ball games here would have never done that, ever, ever. Just not in his makeup. It's not who he is. He's a great football coach, not a great recruiter. But I think it's important to come. People, there are a lot of people out there that you know. It's like the longer Dan is gone, the more favorably they see him. And and listen, I, again, I love Dan Mullen. Love love what he did for Mississippi State. But for those of us that have this revisionist history about some of the things under Dan, you know, go back and look at that 2017 season, and not to mention. The week that we're getting ready to play Ole Miss, it's Thanksgiving week, the game of the year. And as you guys learned, we talked about on the show a couple years ago, your head football coach is negotiating and setting up a job interview with John Curry at the University of Tennessee. Supposed to be getting the team ready to play the game of the year against a uh, interim coach at Ole Miss and Matt Luke, against an Ole Miss team that uh, couldn't go to a bowl game. Had nothing to play for other than pride. And rather than get our team ready to play, Dan Mullen's out there getting ready for the next job. And that's one of the things, too, I think about, too, is, you know, Dan, for many years, 
you know, he had an agent that had his, his name associated with the Rutgers job and the Virginia Tech job and the Pearl River Community College job. And, that, and all that was so unbelievably disrespectful to Mississippi State. He could easily just come out and deny those rumors and say, guys, listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in that job. Best of luck to those guys. But I'm happy here doing this. And as soon as he went and got a, a serious college football agent, he went and got another job. And again, Dan won a lot of football games here. But Dan's been, was, Dan was trying to leave since 2010. When he really got serious about getting out of here, he went and hired another agent. And you know what? He got out of here. And one of the things I think is important, too, and again, I don't want to throw too much shade on Dan Mullen, but I want to remind you guys of something else, too, because I think this is important. When Mississippi State hired Dan Mullen, he felt it was more important for him to finish up the year with Florida and Tim Tebow and try to win another national championship. And you know what? That's fair. Okay, cool. You have coached this team all the way through. You have coached Tim Tebow all the way through. You want to finish the job. I get it. I respect it. And I understand it. But when the shoe was on the other foot, you know what? When, when we're down here and we lose an egg bowl, but we know we're going to get a good bowl game somewhere, rather than stay and say, tell Florida, hey, Dan, hey guys, Scott Strickland, Scott, if you remember, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I want to finish the job that I started with my team. And so, listen, I'm sure you can appreciate this as a Mississippi State alum, Scott Strickland, but I think the best thing for me to do is to stay on at Mississippi State and finish the bowl game, and then I'll take the reins at Florida. But that's not what happened. So Dan picked Florida over Mississippi State twice when it came to bowl games. And you can say, hey, well, Steve, one of them's a national championship. Well, I mean, you know, e- either either you, either it's the character issue or it's not. Either we're going to give him credit for staying and finishing the job or we're not. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, you know. The reality of the situation is, is that this was always a stepping stone to Dan Mullen. That's the reality of it. And listen, I wish him the best of luck in Florida, except when they play Mississippi State. Again, I am a Dan Mullen fan in that respect. But I think we need to understand these people. There are some people out there that are ready to crown Dan Mullen. And you know what? Auburn might go down there and embarrass Dan Mullen too. Even though I think Auburn's got, I mean, Florida's got some really good athletes on defense. I think Ty Grantham will have them ready to play. But the reality of the situation is, is that Dan Mullen was not sold out for Mississippi State. That's my opinion, and I think the facts support that opinion. And so for those of you that you continue to get on social media, well, this is what Dan Mullen would have done. I don't think you have any idea who Dan Mullen is. I think you've fallen in love with this ideal of who you think Dan Mullen is. I've watched it up close. And again, that's not to say anything you know, necessarily negative about Dan Mullen, but the reality of the situation is, is that Dan Mullen left us. And certainly, you know, he should have had a good enough relationship with Scott Strickland to say, you know what, Scott, I think it's important, you know, for those seniors, especially after losing Nick Fitzgerald to that horrific injury, you know, I think maybe it's best if, you know, we just double dip. Maybe we don't recruit for Mississippi State while we're there, but listen, maybe we can work through bowl practices. Greg Knox did it, right? Greg Knox, the winningest football coach in Mississippi State history, right? 1-0. And so before we get too caught up in all this stuff, you know, talking about, you know, well, Dan Mullen would do this and Dan Mullen would have done that. You know, I, you, know you could argue Dan Mullen might have won 10 games last year. Dan Mullen's not a football coach. So let's not get all caught up in the romanticism of hypotheticals. The reality of the situation is Mississippi State's 3-2. and two. We are 3-2. and two. We should be 4-1. and one. We're 3-2. and two. I, want to, I want to go back a little bit here. And look at a couple things because I want to share some things with you that I think are important. If uh, after five games, if that that's the barometer, because I've seen some people out here saying, "Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that," and here's what my sources are telling me, and it's amazing how everybody has a source when things are negative. 
Let's go back to 2016. It was an awful year. It really was. Set a school record with Peter Sermon. Worst defense in our history. We began the season two and three after five games. Then we lost the next two. We were two and seven, folks. Two and seven. And then we had to hang on and beat Samford 56-41. Gave up a school record of offensive production. Then somehow we surprisingly beat A&M. We limped over to Tuscaloosa and got absolutely skull drug. And then in Arkansas, Arkansas comes here, doesn't punt the whole night, beats us 58-42, scored 38 points in the first half. That's the most we'd given up until this past Saturday. Then we, then we find a way, find a way to go embarrass Ole Miss and end their season and eventually the Hugh Freeze era. But you're two and three after five. And you found a way to figure some things out later in the year. We got better in some respects later in the year. You know, we should have beat BYU at BYU. We blew that double overtime game. And it took a what, 50 some odd, 53-yard field goal, I guess, for Kentucky to beat us. You know, we, we blew it at BYU. We blew it at Kentucky. But offensively, we played well enough to win those ball games. We kind of mailed it in against Alabama. But the reality is we got better. We got a little bit better as the year went on. 2017, discussed that moments ago, we lose to Auburn and Georgia. We're one and two in the league. Again, we began the year three and two. We finished that year up on a winning note. Finished up nine and four that year. Should have been much better. Blew a couple ball games there. That old Miss game still uh, still kind of sticks out to me. 2018, another interesting year for us. You know, we come out, we have the the big three non-conference wins. Then we go 0 and 2 to open the league. We lose to Kentucky. We lose to Florida. We're 3 and 2. We still ended up with an eight-win season. And again, we got a little bit deeper in the year. We kind of figured some things out. Listen, we had some issues with quarterback play. That's the reality of it. That, that, that is the truth. But once we got through that LSU ball game, which was the worst, in my mind, the worst game of the year. You know, we can talk about how we lost our composure at Kentucky. But from an offensive standpoint, we were awful in Baton Rouge. We got beat 19-3. to Kept giving them a short end of the field. They field goaled us to death. But after that ball game, offensively, we kind of began to figure some things out. We, we, we beat A&M 28-13. Defensively, we were outstanding. We shell Louisiana Tech 45-3. to And then we go to Tennessee, and we don't play exceptionally well offensively. We had some calls go against us, and we had some reviews not go our way. But defensively, we played really well against Alabama. If we'd got any offense that day, it might have been a different day. Then we beat Arkansas 52-6. to We go to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and beat Ole Miss 35-3. And so, we got again, we got better as the year went along. What we're counting on now is getting better on that defensive front. That That's where we are right now. You know, I didn't think our linebackers played exceptionally well on Saturday. And we discussed on this show that, that, that they needed to play well because we knew that that experienced Auburn offensive line was going to give our young guys some trouble. We had trouble getting off blocks. And you know what? We're going to see a lot of that again. We're going to see it again because everybody kind of mimics what, whatever is successful, and why would you not, right? So we're going to see a lot of that as we get deeper into the schedule. There's going to be a lot of people they are going to try to run the, fo- the football. And, and like, I, you know, I see these, some of our fans are, you know, acting like Arkansas and Ole Miss are layups. Rakeem Boyd is serious. And not to mention, you know, with Ole Miss running uh, John Rice Plumley out there, um, they're going to run some similar concepts that we saw with Louisiana Lafayette. And so, out, you know, outside of Abilene Christian, I don't think there's anything right now you look at and say, you know what, this is a gimme. Just not, just not how I see it. Leo Lewis leads Mississippi State in tackles over the weekend. Leo Lewis is quietly having the best year of his career. Nobody wants to talk about that, but he is. 
one of the top tacklers on the team. Everybody made comments earlier in the year. It's well, he had a bunch of assists. Was against Auburn, seven solo tackles and one assist, including the tackle for loss. He forces a fumble and and, uh, and recovered a couple fumbles. Yeah. So again, Leo quietly having a great year. Nobody wants to talk about that, I guess, because they don't want to hurt their old Miss uh, fans, friends' feelings. But we're having a good season out of Leo. Could he play a little bit better? Yeah, he could. We're getting good production out of him. But you miss a guy like Willie Gay. Willie Gay, the most athletic, arguably the most athletic defender on the team. And he's not out there. And the thing that I think about when we have games like we had on Saturday is my hope is, and again, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, and again, if I step on your toes, I hope it hurts. I think anybody that was involved with Tudorgate I hope they watched that ball game, and I hope their remote broke. I hope they couldn't turn the TV off and they couldn't change the channel. They couldn't turn the volume down. I hope they had to sit there and suffer through that just like all the rest of us did. And I hope it burned in with them. Because the reality of the situation is a lot of the responsibility is on them. A lot of that is on Kansas State. It's on them. That Auburn debacle is on them. Leah Lewis right now currently second on the team in tackles with 34. C.J. Morgan has more at 36. Jaquarius Landry is now 33. Earl Thompson, 31. But again, Leah Lewis having a good year. We don't want to talk about it. I guess because we don't want to have to hear any smart, smart comments about Leah Lewis. Uh, I think he's given us what we need. And again, could he play better? Yeah, absolutely. But the reality of the situation is the kids that they're playing. He's out there making plays for this defense. Need some help, for sure. I want to remind you to step in with our friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. Stan Ramis, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented city, the whole crew there. They will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. Great people, great selection great prices just a great place if you're looking to outfit your home your wardrobe your pet your rv your office anything that you have you should go ahead and adorn that with maroon and white you can find their great selection at campusbookmark.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase to page that phrase bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Absolutely. And again, that's campusbookmart.net. So what do we do about the quarterback situation? Well, I think, I think it is a complicated issue with a rather simple solution. And I think you all will likely agree with me. I said last week on the show, Ideally, what would be kind of a best-case scenario is that Tommy Stevens comes back and is healthy and leads Mississippi State you know, to a solid bowl game and we're able to preserve Garrett Schrader's red shirt. Well, at this point, we can no longer plan that way. And, and I, as I said on Bo Bounce Show earlier today, I am not questioning Tommy Stevens' toughness. I am not questioning Tommy Stevens' talent. I am not questioning Tommy Stevens' heart. I am questioning Tommy Stevens' durability, and that – he has been injury plagued most of his career. And what's amazing is it's not the same injuries. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things that appears to follow him. And it may be unfair to him. But the reality of the situation is that Joe Moorhead said, when asked about the Keaton Thompson situation, you know, we have to do what's best for the team first and the player second. And we want to do what's best for all involved, but the, the team's needs are going to come first. Well, with that line of thinking in mind, I think it's pretty safe to say that Garrett Schrader gives Mississippi State the best chance to win. Now, I would not have said that a month ago. Wouldn't. I just, you know, just didn't think he was quite ready. You know, we've seen him play in practice, that sort of stuff. Seen him play a little bit in uh, some scrimmage-type situations. But the reality of the situation is Jim Moore had had to navigate through a very difficult quarterback battle and made a decision that many people thought was somewhat unpopular. 
And so the reality of the situation now is, is due to some injuries, you know, Keaton still working through what they say is a, a shoulder ailment. I, I still believe that there were some agreements made that Keaton could preserve his red shirt. But now Tommy Stevens has been banged up, and so now Garrett Schrader is, is becoming the face of this program. And people are excited. I mentioned this, too, in the postgame wrap-up video on Gene's page on Saturday. And I went back to double-check my notes. But Garrett Schrader has come on in relief of Tommy Stevens three times this year. Southern Miss, Kansas State, and Auburn. In all three of those situations, when he comes into the ball game, he has led Mississippi State to a score. He is an instant offense kind of guy. And, and I ask him, I said, what do, you, what do you tell him when you get in the huddle? I just tell him, let's go. Well, let's go, Joe. I think at this point it's pretty safe to say there's no way we're going to be able to preserve his red shirt unless we do something really – we're going to have to go out of our way to preserve his red shirt and might, might be to the detriment of the team. I think you've got the bye week. You've got a little time off to rest and let everybody rehab and recover a little bit, and I, and I think you got to go with Garrett Schrader. I, I, if it were me – and it's not. I think you get Garrett Schrader to go against Tennessee. Again, because I believe Garrett Schrader gives you the best chance to win. That's a must-win game for Mississippi State. That is a bad Tennessee team that is going to be coming in off a loss to Georgia. They're going to be happy to be home, and they're going to feel like Mississippi State is somewhat of a vulnerable opponent. They're going to come out thinking the same thing. It's a must-win for us. We have to win that ball game. I don't think you can play around with that one because I think every possession is going to be of vital importance. I don't think we're going to go up there and blow anybody out, but I think we have a chance to go up there and win a Mississippi State game kind of like we did against Kentucky. But I think in order to do that, I think Garrett Schrader's got to be the guy because here's what happens. Tommy Stevens is healthy. You put him back out there against Auburn. And I and I think, and this is not a criticism of him, I just think it gets us out of sync a little bit. I think he had he hadn't played. You know, if you if you look go go back and think about go back to halftime of Southern Miss. Garrett played the second half of Southern Miss game the second half of the Kansas State game on all the Kentucky game. And so for those, what is that, 10 quarters, Tommy Stevens played two of them. So this team, in my mind, is taking on the identity of Garrett Schrader. I think he is the straw that stirs the drink. And again, preseason, I would not have said that. I said, you know what, if Tommy Stevens could come in here and be the stop, and I said on the show, be the stopgap guy, to help Garrett Schrader get ready to lead this fall game, then, that's, then we've accomplished our goals. The future might be now. Because the season's on the brink. And again, we expected it to be 4-1 and one here, and I think most of us expected us to lose a ball game to Auburn. I don't think any of us expected to get embarrassed the way we did. And it's not just the score. You know what I'm saying? It's not just the score. It's that absolute circus in the first quarter, guys, it was 21 nothing with 10 minutes to go in, in, in the first quarter. The game was over five minutes in to a 60-minute contest. And it just seemed like we were unprepared to play. And then Garrett comes in down 21 nothing. And what does he do? He sparks the offense. Again, he goes right down the field. We go right down and score. And the reality of the situation is when you've got a banged-up quarterback, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows we're not going to run Tommy Stevens. Even if, the, even if his shoulder is 90%, you're not going to run him. You're going to run him, the quarterback that is, when Garrett Schrader's in the ballgame because he's a plus runner. And we're running many, much of the same concept we ran with Nick Fitzgerald. The difference is I think Garrett – kind of can get into the flow of the offense a little bit better. You know, Nick, because Nick was such a playmaker, you know, Nick wanted the football. And there were times Nick would keep the football when he should have given the football. And, again, that's not a criticism of Nick. Nick's just trying to go make a play for us, okay? But I think Garrett's one of those kind of guys, too. I think Garrett just has a little more trust 
you know what, the Kyle and Hill is going to go make this play for me. Or that Farad Green is going to make this catch for me. And so, yeah, you kind of dial the playbook back a little bit, but I think there is an explosive element in this offense because of the quarterback run. I think that's the reality of the situation. But when you get out and you begin to think about this, and remember, it's 21 nothing. It's 21 to nothing. And the very first thing we do with Gary Schrader, and pardon me, I guess six minutes we're gone. We get the ball at 8.59. Garrett comes in with a two-yard run. Do you know what happened next? Colin Hill ran for 13 yards. 13 yards. His biggest gain of the day so far. But all of that is a byproduct of the threat of Garrett Schrader running the football. Then you come back. We run Colin again for a positive gain. And then we miss Stephen Gidry wide open. Stephen Gidry gets loose. We run a play-action pass there. We just put a little too much air under it. Stephen Gidry is probably six, seven yards behind the defense. He is going to easily score. And we miss him. And some of that is just inexperience with Garrett. Speeding himself up a little bit. But the reality is our play calling was better. Again, all predicated on the quarterback run. All of a sudden, Garrett runs. You have to account for him, and Colin gets a big gain. Well, all of a sudden, those safeties have to creep up a little bit, and what do we do? We leak somebody out. Then we come back, and we complete a pass to Dedrick Thomas, and then Garrett gets loose again for 24 yards on a quarterback draw. All of a sudden, the the Mississippi State offense had come to life, all because Garrett Schroeder was in the ballgame. We got Colin for six, Colin for one, Colin for two. We go for it on fourth down. Garrett Strader rushes for three yards and has it easily. Dan Mellon probably kicks field goal there, or attempts a field goal there. We get that, Colin runs, then we're complete for a touchdown to Stephen Gidry. Something silly happened after that. Stephen Gidry trying to hush the crowd. Stephen. When you score and we're still down two touchdowns, just go to the sidelines. Celebrate with your team. Go to the sidelines. Because the next thing we did, because I'm a firm believer in karma, firm believer in this. Jace Crispin missed the extra point. When you do, when you don't, when you disrespect the game, the game will get even with you. You know what I'm saying? That's just you. You just don't go out there and behave that way. But I believe in Mississippi State. And I believe in Mississippi State football. And I have people, you know, some some of these snarky comments, hey, Steve, Steve, do you still believe in Joe? I do. I do still believe in Joe. And I do think that we can turn this thing around. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are some changes we have to make. I think we've got to hold some guys accountable, okay? And uh, and what I mean by that is just like the C.J. Morgan play. And that's not to single out C.J. because there were, there were some missed tackles. There was some other silliness that went on. But there has to be some accountability. There has to be accountability to clean this dirty play up. And I don't just mean dirty play of hitting a guy out of bounds. I mean, you know, pre-snap penalties. And you know, people, We went over there two years ago, and Auburn's a tough place to play. If I'm not mistaken, we had half a dozen or more pre-snap penalties at Auburn two years ago. Playing on a road in the SEC is difficult. The crowds get in your head a little bit. You try to run some silent count. Sometimes you're going to make some mistakes. It's just like we did. You know, listen, you know, first and go with the one-inch line, and then, you know, Darrell Williams says he took he took the blame for it. Really wasn't his fault, but he's a leader, so he steps up as you know what that's on me. But the reality of the situation is that Auburn's a difficult place to play. We didn't handle it well. We didn't handle it well two years ago. We have rarely handled it well in our history. Then we've had what two wins there in twelve years? Oh seven with Kroom and fifteen with Dak and Dan. So I don't want to judge this team too harshly based on a loss to Auburn. Again, the more embarrassing thing to me is to go over there and be unprepared to play. Some of that's coaching, some of that's player execution, but the bottom line is it can't be repeated. It can't be repeated. We have to show up at Tennessee ready to spit fire. Yeah, you, know, you watch the Auburn tape and you find your adjustments and you move on from it, but you know we need to flush that as quickly as we can and get ready to go play Knoxville and get ready to go to Newland Stadium, a place that we have not had a lot of wins at over the years. It's one of those things that I think about is like, 
you know, we can buy into history, we can buy into the present. And there are so many of our fans, we say, well, you know, we've never done this. And so just because we've never done it doesn't mean that we can't, you know, because we had never uh, advanced to the College World Series final until 2013, and we've done that. We'd only gone to Omaha in back-to-back years once in our history, and we did that again last year. We got a chance this year to make program history by going to, to Omaha three years in a row, and I think we've got, I've got, we've got a team capable of doing it. We had never, ever, ever, ever advanced to the Final Four of women's basketball. We did that in back-to-back years. So, so I, I don't want to buy into this tired narrative as, well, this is the way it's always been. Because this new generation of Bulldog fans, they've experienced some greater success than we have. And I think about my dad's generation and our silver hair dogs, and I think about the things that they've endured, and I begin to think about, you know what? I'm sure for, for many of them, this feels like heaven. The fact that we are competitive on all fields of play. But with this younger group, because of the fact that they have grown up with some success, they're going to be a little less patient. They're going to be a little less understanding about Mississippi State athletics. They're going to expect Mississippi State to go out and compete and win. And then when we don't, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to be said. There are going to be a lot of things that are going to be shared. And this is a social media generation. People, that People's words will be seen and heard. That's the reality of it. So we're growing into a different era of Mississippi State Athletics. But we have great leadership with Dr. Mark Keenum. We have great leadership with Dr. John Cohen. Not doctor. Coach John Cohen. Uh, but the reality of the situation is is that uh, Joe Moorhead is our football coach. He is going to continue to be our football coach. And anybody to suggest otherwise after one embarrassing loss at Auburn, uh, that's just irresponsible. And then they say, well, Steve – well, we had this and we had that. And listen, listen, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Joe Moorhead, and he doesn't need me to make excuses for him. But here's the reality of the situation. Joe last year did not have a quarterback capable of running the offense he wanted to run. And then, of course, the argument is, well, Steve, he just needs to be more flexible. You know, we didn't hire that guy to come in here to run the Dan Mullen offense. We hired him to come run his own offense. And so there was some growing pains. So then what do we do? We address the issue and we go out and we go, we go get a grad transfer quarterback capable of running the offense, a guy that had played for Jim Moorhead for two years and Tommy Stevens. And what happens? He comes in here and we're absolutely rolling and we're carving Southern Miss up. And, and for the first time in a long time, we're thinking, man, this might be okay. And then Tommy Stevens gets hurt. And now we're depending on a true freshman quarterback but learning the offense as we go. And I think even the most negative Mississippi State fan can look at that and say, you know what, we've been really unlucky when it's come to that. But Garrett Schrader is our future. And so the, the, the bottom line is injuries are part of the game. So we've got to find a way to overcome that. Looking back here, for those of you that, uh, that have forgotten, we have not won in Knoxville since 1986. Now, we don't play there very often. In 1986, we went up there and beat them 27-23. That's a Don Smith, Fred Hadley year. Shout out to Fred Hadley. Love Fred. Every time I see him, he comes up and says hello to me. Still doing speed and conditioning, man. That, that guy's a freak. But that's our last win up there. We've had some competitive games up there. 91, we lose 26-24. We got blasted in 95 up there, 52-14. We played them in 98 in Atlanta. That's the Kevin Pernis lightning and struck game for you young guys. But the reality is we hadn't always played well up there. Last time we played Tennessee, 2012, seven years ago. We won that ball game 41-31. That's the, that's the, uh, the Tyler Russell pass to Malcolm Johnson on the back line of the end zone to put the game away. You remember that one? That's that ball game. But the shame in all of that, when I think about it, is the fact that we haven't played Tennessee in seven years. That's got to change. And that's something that we're kind of asking some questions about. Is there some changes afoot when it comes to SEC football scheduling? And the fact that you can go seven years without playing another, an opponent within your own league, there's something wrong with that. That needs to be changed.
But folks, I'm, I've been long-winded today, but I had a lot to say, and I think that, I think it's, some of these things are important, and I think it's something we need to take to heart. But the reality of the situation is we've got a lot of football left to play. We're going to win some football games. We're going to go to a ball game. Uh, we're going to lose some games too, okay? There, there are some games out there, and, and when we lose them, there are going to be people that are going to overreact on social media because that's how they vent their frustration. Yeah, I don't like it, but that's the reality of the situation in the day we live in. So understand we're not going to win out, okay? So everybody can go ahead and prepare for other freakouts and message board meltdowns and all the things that go with it. But we're going to win some games, and this team is going to make you proud. This young defensive line is going to grow up before our eyes, and they'll get better as the year gets on. I don't know that they become a great SEC defensive line this year or maybe even next year. But they'll be better next year, and they'll have some more reinforcements here and have some more depth. But the reality is we are kind of paying for some recruiting failures the last couple of years on the defensive front. We have recruited exceptionally well, but we allowed that personnel group to get off balance. We should have been chasing some junior college defensive linemen in last class and the one before because we should have anticipated this happening with essentially graduating everybody but Lee Autry on the three deep and then Jeffrey Simmons going pro and now Lee is unavailable uh, for many games. So the reality of the situation is is that uh, the Bulldogs are having to play with some young pups on the interior offensive line, defensive line, and that was really an issue this past weekend and will be an issue again when we play some of these elite running teams we're going to have to deal with that. So understand that before we even get going, okay? But we'll be back on Wednesday. We uh, we won't see Joe today, but we will have an opportunity uh, to speak to some players. And we should have Joe Tuesday night, and we'll talk about his uh, his comments. I don't expect a whole lot here during the bye week. And I hope it's a quiet week. We can focus on football and get ready to go beat Tennessee. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.